My name is Mary Grace, and this is the Home Body Podcast. And here we're exploring the home as a body and body as a home. I host spiritually and artfully minded conversations on embodiment, on approaching life as practice, artistic collaboration, and experiment. We'll talk about healing, art, aesthetics, magic, the practices we can bring to hone our intuition and live our life fully awake with our power intact. My hope is to encourage and enliven you and to also cultivate awareness and freedom. We're here to develop wisdom and self-trust and to be dynamic agents of beauty. We're here to design and be more intentional with the creation of our life. And we are here to make room for inquiry, sensitivity, and joy. Thank you for listening. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. You may notice that there's something a little different about it and that it's just me today. So um, what I've been doing the past couple months is kind of sprinkling little solo episodes um, from me kind of on Tuesdays as like this like bonus occasional thing. And um, there's some practical reasons and some energetic reasons why I'm switching that so that now when I do a solo episode, it will be coming out on Thursdays, um, just like the regular episodes. Um, it was just kind of positioning my own voice as this kind of like secondary thing that didn't feel um, energetically correct. And also just practically, it's um, just made a lot of extra work for me that at this moment is not sustainable. So from now on, if there is a bonus episode or something, it'll be coming out on Tuesday or midweek and it'll be something super special. And if you're hearing from just me, it will be coming out on a Thursday, probably about once a month or every five weeks or so. Um, but it will be coming out on the regular day, which is today on Thursdays. And, um, I want to just thank everyone for listening. The way the listenership has grown in the past, even just the past month. I'm just so excited about, I'm so honored. I'm in love with it. So thank you for listening. And if you want to support the podcast, the number one thing you can do is listen, um, subscribe, rate and review. Those are some really practical things you can do that really do make a big difference in how the podcast grows and, um, is really seen in a sustainable way. Um, The second way you can support the podcast is by sharing it, whether it's over a conversation or social media, or just, I love to text an episode to a friend, a podcast that I like to listen to. I'm just like, you know, I really thought of you when I was listening to this. And that's um, a really helpful way to support the podcast as well. And then the third way, if you're interested, um, I've started a Patreon for the podcast. Um, I really, as like a personal goal, want to keep the podcast as ad-free as possible so that I can stay committed to just like offering like consistent quality content that I really believe in. And it just makes for a clean listen for all of you, which I also really value and want to maintain. And um, so that way, if there is an ad one day or a sponsorship, it's because it's for something that I truly, really believe in and that I'm deeply excited about. And um yeah, it just makes for something really uncluttered for you all. So I'll post the link for the Patreon below if that's a way that you're interested in supporting the podcast. Um, it can be as little as like $5 a month, $7 a month, and it just makes a world of difference in keeping the podcast supported. So those are three ways that you can really be a part of the show in a meaningful way. And I just, again, deeply appreciate all of the listening and the support that we've gotten so far. It's just been, I'm in love with. For those of you who don't know. Again, I still don't feel quite ready to go into all of the kind of details of 
what's been going in my life the past kind of six months, but I've un- to say the least, I've undergone a pretty mega career shift, and um, I feel like I'm really being called by the universe or spirit or whatever your word is for um, kind of overarching energy um, to really commit to myself and to commit to the work that I believe in and to commit to my gifts as they are and not as some like sequestered hobbies that I make palatable for um, the general public. And I also feel like I'm supposed to really be committing to working on things that give me energy and that I have energy around that I'm truly excited about things that just by working on them, I feel reciprocated by the joy that I get out of it, doing things the way that I'm excited about doing them when I'm excited about doing them. And it's been made pretty clear to me by the universe or spirit that it will not take any pretending from me anymore and that it will only support me doing things that are coming from my heart. And that has been made super clear in the past um, few months in a really big dramatic way. And so part of me working on things and working with people who want to work with me, and this is this podcast is one component of me doing that and practicing that reciprocity in front of you and learning it in front of you and um, hopefully a really honest and valuable way. And today I want to cover two things that have been kind of running through my mind and things that I'm kind of working on in my own life that also feel um, potent enough to share with others um, and that would potentially be of service to others. And it's urgency and weaknesses. Um, And I'm going to start with urgency. Um, I was talking to my super lovely a massage therapist about this who's just a magical wonderful being that I'm just so in love with and as I was talking about it it realized that I had a lot of feelings about it and a lot of opinions about it and a lot from personal experience I've always or at least from a very young age had a sense of there's not enough time and it's really really deep in me and it's because it's been super deep and super embedded and ingrained um it's been really hard to unpack in an authentic way, in a way that's allowed for real shifts in how I live my life and how I understand my life and how it allows me to work. And I don't think I necessarily learned this from anyone or saw it from other people necessarily. Um, but for me, I grew up in a very um, kind of conservative Christian evangelical belief system And one of the components of that for me uh, was that um, the world's going to end. There's going to be an apocalypse. Jesus is going to come back. And whether you like it or not, the world is over and we're all leaving. And uh, I don't think that that is meant necessarily to be traumatizing, but it kind of was. I remember being really little and thinking like, but what if I don't have the time to do the things that I want to do? Like I want to dance and I want to do this and I want to be in love and I want to have babies. And like, I just remember thinking like, what if I don't have time to do that? And being really upset about it. Um, And I think as I've started to unpack this, that I think there's a really deep cultural ethos around that, that got pretty deeply embedded in me and taught me to embody that there is not enough time. And you never know when it's all going to be over and everything's going to be erased like a blip and you're just going to have to be happy about it. And whenever I thought about that particular narrative, I wasn't happy about it. I love being on earth. And as I've investigated myself more and, um, 
my soul is super happy to be in a body. It's super happy to be on planet earth. And the thought of that getting, uh, snatched prematurely did a lot of like emotional damage and that I was supposed to be like happy about it on some like spiritual ethereal level just felt like a mystery to me. And whether, um, your story or your childhood belief system is like mine or not, I think there is a big cultural shift happening where I think ancestrally or epigenetically that narrative has existed in our cultural bones. Like Christianity has been a big kind of dominating belief system in this country, at least for, um, hundreds of years. And that may be a narrative floating around in your blood and in your bones. And while there is some big shifting happening with that belief system as far as how much we buy into it, how um, how authoritarian it is and how much we subscribe to it in our culture today, I do think that that's changing in a really big way. Um, but I think we may not have necessarily undone that cultural narrative around time. And around this sense of urgency of there will not be enough of it. And I'm really working to intentionally undo that with really small things. It's hard to just look at your life and look at your soul. And, you know, um, I think there's some past life stuff around it too. And like dying too young and all of that. But I won't go into that in this moment. Um, How it's hard to just look at that as like a really big thing and be like, oh, I just need to like believe that there's plenty of time suddenly. And I think it's really like it's a shift that's required of our nervous system and that has to happen in digestible bites and it has to happen in ways that can be consistently reinforced that there is enough time. How can I teach my nervous system like it's a small child where it got kind of frozen with this belief and this kind of fear essentially that there is enough time? So even if it's a way that we're relating to money, for instance, like a paycheck to paycheck cycle is essentially being like, oh my gosh, there's not enough time. Like, how am I going to get to this next thing? We're already like eating up and erasing the time that we have to get to the next thing. Um, It can't happen soon enough. Um, this way for me, a practice of kind of delaying a yes or a no, when someone asks me if I want to be a part of something or if I want to do something or if I can make it to a thing, um, I always say that it's like a personal policy of mine to not say yes or no immediately. Even if I'm pretty sure I already know the answer, that space helps teach me this undoing of the urgency narrative, um, and that there's space and there's time for me to make up my mind or change my mind, um, how can I do this and practice this life and my habits so that nothing about it feels urgent except for things that truly are? We do have things that come up that are more emergency-like things, but I think in general, a lot of us are living our life as if it's one big emergency. And not only are we doing ourselves a disservice by that, by literally missing out on experiencing our life because we're in survival mode all the time that we cannot even take in the world around us um, or appreciate it, much less be in love with it or experience joy in our own life, like um, essentially impossible during an emergency um, or an emergency state. But we're also doing a disservice to others around us. If we're constantly creating preventable emergencies 
by putting urgency on everything. Um, we're also doing a disservice to others. When we make an emergency for ourselves, we're also making an emergency for other people, um, which A, isn't fair, um, and B, is not creating a system of enjoyment and reciprocity around your life and around your relationships. When we're urgent about things, we're giving those things control over us. You're really essentially giving your power away. And is it worth that? Um, is it something that you want to give your power away to? Um, is it if you give your power over to the something and let it create this whirlwind of urgency and emergency around your life, will it pay you back? And, you know, the thing about time is you can't get paid back in time. And so I am becoming more and more aware that like, you know, our life, even if we live 95 wonderful, healthy, conscious years old, it's a relatively short amount of time. And what am I doing wasting it by being a blur? Um, that's just been hitting really home lately. Um, and I think a lot of times there's a motor underneath the sense of urgency that is really just a fear-based fantasy. And we've made it up around like, you know, if this is happening or this is not happening, we have some like complicit little belief underneath that. Like if this doesn't happen, oh my God, like, I don't know what's going to like the whole world will fall apart is essentially what we're telling our nervous system and we're letting our life telling you the control we're giving this over us. Um, and actually the world will not fall apart if this thing happens and if it doesn't happen or if this gets done or it doesn't get done, something will happen, but the world will not fall apart. But we don't, we leave that like complicit little belief really unexplored and uninvestigated and unspoken and kind of unnoticed um, because we just let it motor us through our life. Um, and therefore it has control over us. And yeah, and I think undoing that story, like, well, what actually will happen if I do that? Like, oh, I'll have to do it tomorrow. I'll have to get up earlier. I'll have to do, you know, like um, really coming out of that like fog, that haze of like freaking out and um, coming more into a place of like, well, what actually will happen? And what does that mean? And really breaking down that story. Um, if you're interested more in that tool, I have a workshop on fear that um, I kind of talk about that in a little more detail with a little more um, kind of prompting and mapping around it. But for now, we'll just say that it is simply a fantasy and it's based on fear. And if we don't unpack it, it is controlling us. Um, and it's it's driving the narrative of our life in a really big way and it's wasting our energy. Um, and we don't want to do that. And... Uh, kind of going along with this and kind of pivoting a little bit, moving from this sense of urgency and control, there other way that's been kind of coming up for me lately and um, people I've been working with and kind of talking to is this idea of like weakness. And, you know, when we're... Um, working with the musculoskeletal system, like with our muscles and with our bones. And we do want to balance our front and back sides. We want to try to balance our right and left side. Our body muscularly and our nervous system is actually always seeking balance. And that is essentially what compensation is. So for instance, if you break one leg and you have to rely a little bit more on the other, that is your body's work of just trying to balance out this discrepancy of strength. And for sure, we want this kind of balance. It's healthy, it helps our body function better, more efficiently, gravity falls through it. 
in a way that is less harmful. And our biceps will never be our triceps. They're not designed to do the same thing. They should not do the same thing. And therefore, the strength for each of those muscles needs to be different. The front of our body will never be the back of their body. And while we don't want our weaknesses to become our identity, which is a cute thing that happens now that um, we kind of like to like advertise things, um, make it look like vulnerability, um, for instance, like we kind of our weaknesses become I struggle with this thing. And then it kind of becomes this like handicap that we use to justify staying small in our lives. And I just really am feeling lately that we want to focus on our strengths. What a waste of time for, let's say, okay, so my partner, um, we have a lot of things in common. We also have very different strengths. We have very different things that we're good at. And it's amazing. It can be frustrating at times because I'm like, oh, why can't you do that? And he's like, oh my gosh, why can't you just do this simple thing? And we're learning to be more gracious about that with each other and be more of a team and be like, you know, together we have like all the strengths, which is great. But it would be crazy for me to, for my husband to say, you know, I'm not a really good ballet dancer and this other guy is, um, and to feel really handicapped by that as a weakness. And, you know, he could take that narrative and, you know, all the time he spends trying to conquer becoming a ballet dancer is all this time that he's not developing his own strengths. We tend to look at other people and be like, oh, they're so good at this thing. Or we get obsessed with our own kind of weaknesses or the things that we're not good at and over identify with them that we're wasting time not living into our strengths and our gifts. And to me, that is a waste of time. Or it's like me with math. I can spend a bunch of time trying uh, to become amazing at calculus when I actually struggle to get through algebra. And, you know, but that's, I can pretend that I'm not highly sensitive or I can just like embrace all these things as a gift. And, you know, there's a way that maybe something about how I'm wired is, you know, I'm not that great at math. But because I'm wired this way, I am really good at some other things. And that's a gift. Like we can't be perfect at everything. We don't need to be perfect at everything. That's why we are all perfect at everything when we work together. And I think shifting this awareness, like, yeah, I work on math to the point that I need it to be functional in my life. And, um, you know, when we were little, everyone was like, yeah, you know, what if you don't have a calculator? And now we all have calculators attached to our bodies all the time in the form of a phone, praise the Lord. And I can really accept that while me being the way I am makes does make some things difficult and I can learn some skills to help me in those situations um, for instance like being super sensitive and empathic and just like aware of a lot of things energetically um, made it really hard for me to be have any sort of social skills until I was like in my mid-20s and I needed to learn that and I needed to work on that in order to be able to be in the world um, and actually, that's an example of something that has become a strength for me. I had to work on it so much that I'm much, I'm so good at it now and I can help other people do it. Um, the math thing, I just kind of given up on it. And again, I've learned enough to be functional. Um, but it, the way that I'm set up is what enables me to have a lot of other gifts. And while we can talk about these things as like shadows or wounds, but basically our weaknesses are invitations to investigate, they're invitations to understand 
if we don't invite our weaknesses to the party of our life, then there's a part of our tapestry that's always missing. Uh, We've cut it out. We're either hiding it or pretending like it's not there, or we've cut it out and we've got it on this like pedestal that we're just showing off to people um, to get attention or whatever that is. And our weaknesses are a crucial part of the tapestry that keeps it from unraveling. And if that part of the tapestry is not there, um, you know, what is that saying about the whole picture that we're offering to ourselves and to the people around us? And it's not about, and I think some of this like over weakness identification is, um, because we're uncomfortable with what we're good at. We're uncomfortable with talking about our strengths. We're uncomfortable, um, talking about the things that really make us radiant. And I think, um, that that should not be the case. And it's not really about, you know, banishing our strengths in this way so that we can feel more relatable, but it is about inviting your weaknesses to the party and integrating them into the tapestry and letting those weaknesses be true, healing them, working on them, um, getting an understanding around them so that you can feel, you know, competent where you need to, and then like, let it go. Like there's no need to spend your whole life trying to master something that you don't even like that maybe isn't like Um, you know, that isn't, that is the math for you. Um, I wasn't born or made to be an engineer or a calculus master who teaches in a university to people at MIT. Like that's not what I'm here to do. So me spending all my time really working on that skill, trying to develop it so that I can just become this like absolute complete queen master of this is like, what a waste of time. I'm like doing everyone around me a disservice by um, not focusing on honing the gifts, the things I'm already good at that I can be exquisite at. So stop banishing your strengths and invite your weaknesses um, and let that be a part of the balance of the front and the back of yourself, the side to the side of yourself. Um, yeah, those are things that I've been thinking about and I, I really don't want to see us stay small because we've cut out parts of our tapestry that either we don't like and we want to hide or parts of our, that we're just kind of over identifying with things that, um, make us, we think that being relatable is about being, um, a mess or something. So those are my invitations to you to kind of think about and just notice like, where are you creating urgency in your life? Where are you potentially addicted to nerve uh, urgency in your life? And not addicted as in like I have a cigarette addiction, but addicted in that your body feels like it is not in homeostasis if you're not in that mode because you're so used to that mode. So where, what are some little ways that you can practice undoing that urgency? What are some little ways that you can just teach your body that, it, you know, it's okay to not be in a hurry? How can you really consciously break down some of those stories you have around time and these really practical instances like uh running errands like do they have to all be crammed into this like 20 minute window that's actually impossible just because you're used to feeling like you have to do impossible things with your time and where can you really look at your weaknesses invite them to the party love on them give them the tools they need to feel like they can show up And then really get excited about your strengths. Really get excited about the gifts that you have and work. Spend most of your time working on mastery with things that you're here to do. Not with the things that you're here to like not really do and you just need them to kind of function. So um, those would be my invitations to you. Those would be my explorations for you. 
yeah, really um, let me know how that goes. And for those of you who are on the email list, um, I hope you are enjoying your prompts, your journaling prompts that I sent out last week. And I appreciate all of the feedback that you sent me thus far. I'm so glad that you're enjoying them and just continue to let me know how it goes for you. Um, I'm excited about the upcoming month of episodes. We got some great people coming up and looking forward into 2020. I'm just like beyond elated with some of the guests that we're going to have. So excited. And um, yeah, kind of prepping towards the new year, we'll be talking about some things like money and hearing from a few different people and business and um, clothes, like some really kind of grounded, earthy things. Um, And I'm really excited about talking about those. I think a lot of times when we have more spiritually based conversations or energetic conversations or woo, whatever you want to call it. There's a way that we kind of avoid talking about things that are like finances. And so the financial people are not talking about energy and energetic people are not talking about finance in any sort of productive way. So um, I'm excited to kind of dive into some of these more earthy topics in the next few weeks as we get into the new year and set some really grounded intentions for ourselves. So thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a good next uh, rest of your week and talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the conversation, please leave us a five-star review, subscribe to the show and consider sharing the episode. I would love to hear your thoughts. Feel free to tag me on Instagram or send me a DM. I would love to meet you and hear what you thought about the conversation and we'll see you next week.